Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded, a Cam 4 podcast. I'm Laura Desiree, and what have been my findings, my, my grand hypothesis? What has it been after all of these episodes and really all of these years interviewing people about their views on sexuality? their experiences in sexuality, and the source of their sex positivity. Well, I'm starting to draw a very definitive line between the kinky and the creative. And what I mean is the the more I talk with people about their kinks or their comfort expressing and exploring their kinks, the more I realize these are some incredibly creative individuals. And in most cases, It's creativity that becomes the key to one's success, regardless of the industry they're in or the pursuit that they're after. And that really is the case of today's guest. I have the high, high honor of chatting with the legend, the legacy herself, the fabulous Miss Brittany Andrews. Joining me today here on Licked and Loaded, the legend herself, Miss Brittany Andrews. Thank you so much. Thank you. At first, I thought my dog was going to be a participant in your show as well, but she was just like, I'm out of here. They're going to be talking adult stuff. Time for me to go. (laughs) Does she come with her own introduction as well? Oh, absolutely. You know, she's, you know, like other adult film stars and celebrities, we all have like an Instagram for our pets because they're the loves of our life. And they just, you know, especially after with COVID and everything, I just couldn't feel more grateful and blessed to have two adorable, beautiful creatures that the universe has given me to, um, to take care of. Well, maybe she'll make a return. Who knows? knows? It could be something to look forward to as we roll through this. So Brittany Andrews, here's here's what I'm going to lay on the table and you let me know if there's anything to add. I have it listed. Okay, so you're going to drop it and I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to drop it. You pick it up. It's a back and forth (laughs) volley. We're going to do this. All right. Let's do this, girl. If you're hearing the name Brittany Andrews and wondering, hmm. Wait a minute, I know that name. That's likely because we're dealing with a legacy performer, producer, director, realtor, DJ, sex work advocate, sex work activist, and known famously around the world as the pioneer of pegging. What did I miss? <laughs> Lord, I know. Are you DJ in there too? I don't know. I did, I did. <laughs> as I'd like to say, I am a Jill of all trades and a mistress of a few. Mm, mm. <laughs> That's a lot. It is a lot, girlfriend. How the fuck did I do all that shit? And I started so young doing a lot of shit. And, um, you know, I never even went to high school. So it's what? a little bit of, yeah, exactly. I dropped out of school in seventh grade and I never even went to high school, have zero college education. I just, you know, came out a survivor, workaholic, ambitious and driven. And I had this wonderful um, ability to become a sex worker at a young age where it allowed me as a woman without an education to blossom and bloom Mm -hmm. into being an entrepreneur a businesswoman and giving me a life beyond my wildest dreams to be able to travel everywhere, pay my fucking taxes, take care of my family um, and to be able to um, to give uh, over time, you know, and that comes in many different various ways. But um, I couldn't feel more blessed and more gratitude uh, for the ability to have been a sex worker in this manifestation on the planet. And (laughs) and of course, in all of this incredible life, there's this undeniable burst of personality that comes with Brittany Andrews. (laughs) It's, it's, it's massive. It's explosive. It's incredible. It can be exciting, intimidating, all of these things in one. I'm, I'm, I'm captivated by it. And I find that people with really captivating larger than life personalities, they've got an interesting list of ingredients 
you know, where it, where it all kind of began. And I'm learning things about you right now that I didn't know. I did not know about uh, you, you not having high school education, you not having college education, you not having a fucking PhD in world domination, because all of this <laughs> feels like it's fitting. So I would love to know what, what made Brittany Andrews the personality that we have? Is there a list of influences? Is there a list of, of, I don't know if we want to use the word role models. I, I grew up losing my mother very young and we didn't talk about grief in my family. So my right. crazy personality, a lot of that stems from kind of being raised by watching old black and white movies of, you know, these huge women with explosive personas. And I tend to lean into that. So mm. what would be the influence that made Brittany Andrews? You know, honestly, I really have no idea where it came from. I'm, I'm a Leo. So yeah, that okay. alone, right. That alone explains a lot of it. You know, I'm a Leo, which for those of you out there that don't understand stripper crack, <laughs> as my friend loves to call astrology, stripper crack, um, we're known to be just natural born entertainers and we're all known to be very colorful personalities. Um, and so I think it probably started with um, being a Leo um, at a really young age, you know, and also my mom allowed me to express my creativity, which first started out with coloring my hair. And this is like in the early 1980s in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I had like a hot pink mohawk and I wrote fuck you on the side of my head and black lipstick. I was always being sent home from school for like what I was wearing. And, um, you know, I think that's where my creativity kind of first started coming out. Uh, was with my clothing, my music, my rebellion. I did have a lot of like early childhood trauma and that, you know, like you were talking about losing your mom. I think a lot of that created a lot of, um, what do you call it? Like irritable, restless discontent in me. And so, and anger. And so I was a bit of a wild child starting off from a quite a young age. And I started doing, you know, drugs at a pretty young age as well to kind of deal with the amount of um, anxiety I was getting from PTSD that I had at that time. And so I naturally started self-medicating and I used mm -hmm. a lot of fucking LSD. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was doing a lot of LSD from a really young age. So LSD, you know, being a Leo, having a mom that allowed me to kind of do whatever the fuck I wanted um, allowed me to just start being me good and bad, um, from a pretty young age and also having to deal with the consequences mm -hmm. of somebody young, making their own choices as well. And then surviving through that and just becoming a very strong woman, you know, as far as it goes with my, my workaholism, you know, that's another coping mechanism from trauma as well. Um, and, you know, the, the workaholism, you know, and a, a lot of this stuff I didn't learn until I was in my forties, right. You know, when you're younger, you're just um, looking forward, trying to survive, do the best that you can every day with the, the um, cards that life has given you. But of course, you know, um, I've been a sober woman for um, 10 years. I've done a lot of therapy. I've done, you know, 12 step trauma groups. So I've learned a, a lot now that I'm almost 50 about, you know, how Brittany became Brittany. And a lot of it, of course, was uh, molded by my trauma and how I handled mm -hmm. it. Um, but there was a lot of really beautiful things that that came from that. And, you know, still even to this day, as I consistently work through a lot of the dark places in my life, um, and then I'm able to relate to others um, that have also had that and to be able to be empathetic, caring, you know, somebody that listens, that can provide you know, my own experience, strength and hope to others that are going through the same kind of darkness and that and in that I'm also mm -hmm. able to do a lot of um, transcendence healing for myself. Um, and, you know, at this stage in life, I'm able to embrace all of the good and the bad in my my journey. It's all mine. 
you know, and I'm really proud of, um, you know, I, I, I'm humble as well, because I realized that the universe definitely had my back so many times because this bitch has been crazy running around the world from a really young age. I've been in jail in Dubai, Egypt, Dominican Republic. I was kidnapped in Dominican Republic. Some of them are kind of funny stories, actually. And that is a negative is one might think, but scary, none the least. Um, But I've had this, you know, tremendous roller coaster ride in life. I've dated billionaires, millionaires. I've, you know, been to Tuscany for Bulgari. You know, I've been shot mm. by Terry Richardson, David LaChapelle. You know, I just, you know, the, the universe along with the, the darkness that it's brought has brought me to as high as highs as the lowest lows. And for someone like myself, I'm like, fuck yes, I am here to stick my dick into life and to live it, to live it. You know, I, I, you know, I was not meant to be somebody that just has this kind of, you know, middle, you know, I've worked really hard at this age to not have as many highs and lows because bitch can't like handle my younger self. I was too, too much. My nipples are so hard. Yes. You know, I try really hard. I'm like, when I, you know, I call myself a basic bitch. People are like, you are not a basic bitch. You're I'm not like, a basic bitch. I am like, honey, I have worked so hard to become a basic bitch. I even wear Amazon basics now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And there's so, oh my gosh, there is so much to sink your teeth into when it comes to just starting to talk about your career and your journey yeah. through it. Uh, as we approach all of these uh-huh. elements of your incredible, illustrious career. You talked about being a young person and not really limiting your self-expression and not really yeah. uh, having any restrictions or censorship at all, which I think is yeah. a blessing to come into this world <laughs> and not feel I that agree. restriction in yeah. any way. But at what point does sexuality become a tool for you to continue to express yourself? Did you find that there was such value and thrill in sexuality and sexual expression? Like, why is that the path that you've chosen? I don't think I chose it. I think the universe chose it for me. And I truly do believe that it's my purpose in life to live this life as a sex worker. 100%. You know, I don't know if in other past lifetimes I was a hooker, Mm -hmm. madam. I don't know what times I feel like. This is not my first time, honey. You've been a hoe. (laughs) (laughs) You've been doing this in many lifetimes, bitch. You know, trying to perfect this whole thing and working on it and women's rights and the whole nine yards just doesn't feel like my first manifestation of it. But I do believe that, um, you know, everything is in perfect and divine order. And, you know, I've tried to... I've done many other different things, but, you know, my heart and my soul is always um, in the place of sex worker. And that's what I have. That's who I am. You know, even when I was DJing and doing filmmaking, I, I can't run away from Brittany Andrews. I have made this brand. I am that. Um, and you know, I started off using it as a coping tool when I was young, I was very promiscuous. Um, But then, you know, something that, you know, and I'm not going to judge that whether it was bad or good, you know, it just was. And but then when it came down to um, I then became a stripper in Milwaukee um, and I don't think I had any issues with it because I was already a, a somebody that was comfortable with my my sexuality at that time. Um, and so, and then from the stripping, you know, I got an opportunity to sign. Well, it started off, I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at this shithole fucking dive bar. That's like in the ghetto. There's like drive-by shootings. The pool is a fucking basement pool with duct tape on it. Can we get a picture here of what's, it's a jukebox, you know? And it's just, you know, a ghetto-ass club. But strangely enough, Northern Wisconsin was where they had, like, the one and only feature dance school. And it was called Weasels. So everybody would go up to Weasels. And here is Miss Bella Boo showing her butt. Um, And so I just had to give her an introduction. Sorry, that's the wrong side. Do my Vanna White thing here. This is Miss Bella. She is. Exactly. And so, um, so anyways, um. 
so yeah, so then a lot of the girls would go to Northern Wisconsin for the feature dance school. And then they would go in house girl at some of the shitty clubs in Milwaukee to make some extra money. So one of them asked me like, hey, would you go on the road with me and be a feature? And I had no idea what a feature was because we didn't mm-hmm. have them in our little ghetto club. I mean, we had them as a house girl, but we didn't have them like performing as feature. So, yeah, but the touring ones. Yeah, exactly. And so I had a, uh, I had an abusive boyfriend at that time. My one and only time in my life, uh, that I had somebody like that in my life. Um, and he was like, Oh no, she hangs out with rock stars. You ain't doing that girlfriend. Right. And so I was like, okay. But then I found out who the agency was and it was Continental Agency who they still exist at this time. Uh, but back then it was Rita Bain, who was one of the most well-known burlesque in like 1950s pinup uh, models slash dancers. And so at that time, all of the feature dance agencies were owned by women that came from that era right wow. of burlesque dancing and pinup models. And so his mother owned it. And I sent a picture of myself in, I was 18 years old and they said, yes, go up to Weasels. And so I went up to Weasels. I got rid of my apartment in my life and I just started dancing on the road. I had the, the crazy dude with me for a while. Finally got rid of him at one point. I've never had an abusive man in my life ever again. Uh, thank you, mother goddess. She, mm-hmm. and, um, And yeah, and that started me on my trajectory, you know? And so as far as it goes with featured answers, the bitches that made the most money were the porn stars. And I've always, yeah, I've always been a little bit of a black and white thinker. So it's like, either you're going to do this and you're going to do it, or you ain't going to do it. Do something else that you can do. So I said, I'm doing this. So I remember I was in New York. Well, before that, I said to the agency, I was like, bitch, you got to like help me out here. Otherwise, I'm going to take my ass to New York with like five bucks and I'm going to figure it out on my own. And she was, you know, and I was just, you know, one of those, you know, I still am. I'm a very persistent person. Like it's hard to like get rid of me if I want something like I'm, I'm follow up bitch. I'm following up. I'm following up. You know, I'm not going to forget about it. I will beat a dead horse till it's like, yeah. And so I'm like a triple fixed sign going back to my stripper crack again. I'm a triple fixed sign. There's nothing mutable about me. Like I am going to get it done if that's what I want. And so she hooked me up with Warren Tang in New York and I did seven magazine covers my first time shooting with him and Cherry and High Society magazine were doing a special layout in Jamaica for spring break and they um, invited me to come to uh, Jamaica. Well, I get to Jamaica and who is my, my roommate? None other than Jenna Jameson, right? So... Jenna says, honey, you need to move to Hollywood. I call up my mom's, right? Because I was taking care of my mom's at that time. I took care of my mom for six. I took care of my mother for 16 years. Like many sex workers do. We are nurturers. We take care of our children, our family. You know, that's why I always say when you are, are feeding a sex worker, you are often feeding the community. Um, and so anyways, I said to moms, I'm like, yo, moms, we're moving to Hollywood. And we were living at Texas at the time. And I was planning on moving with her to Hollywood, Florida. And she was like, bitch, I already knew we're, we're moving to Hollywood. And I was like, the other, one. the other one, you know, I think, you know, to her grave, she was like pissed off about that. But, oh my God. So I came back from Jamaica and uh, got, I had like a little Malibu Bay Barbie Jeep car. I took that little fucker to LA. I lived with Budley, who now owns uh, uh, or is one of the top bookers or something over at 101 Modeling, which is one of the top porn agencies. He had just married um, Asia Carrera. Oh my God. And so they both lived in the same apartment building. I was staying in his place and they were staying in theirs. Well, and at the time there was like rumors that Jenna was fucking bud. And I was all worried that Asia didn't like me. I didn't know that she was just really shy. I was like, this bitch fucking hates me. Right. Like I got to get out of here. Like, I don't want to like start off on a bad foot in the business because it was, um, it was a much different kind of environment back then of a very smaller kind of family. 
And, um, and so anyways, then Jenna said, well, come and move, move in with me. And at that point it was Nikki Tyler, who was also a vivid contract girl. Actually, she wasn't contracted with vivid yet. At that point, she was a makeup artist and her husband. So then I moved in with them. Um, and then that is kind of, you know, where everything really started with, you know, me doing filming and magazines right. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and how far along are you in the porn biz before you start fucking dudes in the ass? And, and when did that become a decision? What inspired that decision? Because you're the pioneer wow. of what we call pegging now, which is a exactly. genre. So, it is. So where, where did that come from? Well, you know, <laughs> this is kind of a fucked up funny story, but that's life, right? So I don't know, like, I, I think it was just my masculine dominant side when I was younger. I told you I had the, the hot pink mohawk and, and I would wear, I would go to um like Ace Hardware and I would get the chains that you, you would get on the roll oh thing because I was a broke ass fucking poor bitch, right? And so we would cut them and then I'd make like belts and shit with it's them. It's plasmatics. You're giving me yeah. uh, Wendy, oh, plasmatics. Right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so- and me and my girlfriends were like the crazy bitches. I first got arrested the first time at suicidal tendencies. Back then it was called the mosh pit. Like me and my bitches were like the only girls that would go into the mosh pit and fucking like I had my nose broken. I got arrested. And I'm like 13 years old at DRI fucking head walking and getting, you know, on acid, tons of acid. And, um, and so anyways, you know, we would start drinking Jägermeister and that shit would just make me even more like I'd take off my belt and start beating guys. And, you know, we were all teenagers. Guys right, were right. like, okay, cool. Do I like kind of get laid or something? And I don't know where the fuck it came from. But girlfriend <laughs> had a waterbed, right? So I had a waterbed. And so underneath the waterbed, it has like the different drawers and it's mm -hmm. got like the handles on the drawers. So I didn't know anything about dildos or anything like that. And so, uh, or ropes. I mean, I just, I would cut up extension cords and I would tie guys up to my bed to the handles on the drawers underneath there, right. On the waterbed. And, um, and I had like these, and every time I go to Home Depot, I always say, thank you, Mother Goddess She, that nobody got hurt, right? Because I had these like fluorescent light bulbs that were like that long and like- Oh you my know, God, no yes, way. You know where we're going. And I would shove those into guys' asses. And, you know, it's so funny because I've been telling this story a long time. And the first guy I did it to, um, I ended up 15 years later, having a conversation with him about it on Facebook. And I said, Oh my God, you know, I've been telling this story for so many years of when I used to like tie you up and shove light bulbs in your ass. Right. Dude, he fucking totally blocked me. No he way. Was like, you didn't say my name. Did you? I'm like, of course not. And he's like, he didn't want to remember any of that. I probably traumatized the boy for life, but um, oh yeah. So anywho, moving along. Yeah, I was already, you know, I was, I was into, you know, I have, I, I am a switch. I don't right. really show my switch side all that much on camera. Uh, when I originally started, I started off as a sub, um, but they needed women to be dumb. And so I think my first one was with like either B&D Pleasures or Bizarre. It was called Unruly Slaves. And I use that movie all the time because I'm, I do like classes for like, uh, dump, you know, being a dominatrix and things of that nature, you know, within that spectrum. And so often I, I remind myself of that first time that I did it. And it's embarrassing because I thought that to be a dominatrix meant that you had to like swear a lot and be aggressive right. and, you know, um, you know, just have this total different, you know, now I'm a mommy dom. Right. I'm a very kind of nurturing dominatrix and I don't have that kind of persona whatsoever at all, even though I am starting to direct for kink and Mistress Mommy is going to become a little bit more corporal punishment deviant because I'm getting the opportunity to expand on my own uh, sick and twistedness, which I'm really excited about. But um 
but yeah, so, you know, that kind of started, I'd always been into role-playing as long as I can remember. I was always asking guys like, well, what's your fantasy? Like, I always wanted to get into some kind of like a different place with sex, right? You're investigating as you go along. like Yeah, and so then the adult industry gave me the opportunity to, from a very young age, start playing with roles and my my power as a woman, right? And I and I'm obviously somebody that um, you know has always been a, a, aggressive, right? And so then it gave me the opportunity to start playing with my power, you know, power of the pussy, right? So um, and and of course the 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 adult industry gave me like a place to start learning, but my real life is where. I'd go, okay, you know, I'd, I'd pick a guy up off the plane, bring him to my house. Right. And I'd be like, oh yeah, you're going to get laid. And I'd come down the stairs wearing my cock saying, but only if you suck my fucking (laughs) cock first, bitch. Right. Like that was me, you know, like I want to know how much power can I wield on these motherfuckers to get them to do what I fucking want. And I realized I have all the fucking power, bitch. Totally. You know what I mean? So in my 20s- This is organically and authentically you. Yes. And so in my 20s, I played around a lot with that, you know, and I used to have a, um, I had a slave at that time. I had a dom and I had a slave. Sorry, my hair is like, I'm always getting the wrong side on camera, right? So I, you know, I had a slave and I had a dom at that time. And it was like so funny because the two of them knew about each other. And one would be like brushing arms with them as they were leaving, as, as the dom was leaving, the sub was coming to like pick up all the condoms and to clean everything and, you know, to cry about a small, and this was, I was doing the small penis humiliation before that even existed too. Um, and so, um, yeah, so he was really into the, the pegging. Um, and it was actually his idea that I started doing it on video. He thought it would be a great idea. And I was like, you're right. It would be. So, you know, I was already producing and directing um, and I was having a hard time with distribution because I was a woman and I was younger and I had this aesthetic concept of like kind of mixing mainstream stuff um, in with, um, porn and there just was no, like one of the things about porn, um, that I've learned about all through over throughout all of these years is it's a very cookie cutter business. Like they, like the incest thing, right? Like figure out what works and then just fucking beat it to death and do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Nobody ever really wants anything new or fresh or modernized. You're a pure, you're a purveyor of, of kink and you always have been. So there is that challenge to bring it to an audience. And this is what what you're talking about. And I also, from a really young age was always, you know, I Look back at interviews that I did, and I was really into uh, empowering female sexuality mm. from a really young age. And as a director, it would piss me off that there was nothing like I, I had this whole thing that I went through uh, where it was making talent that I was shooting uncomfortable because I would have the cameraman shoot um, like a, a, a dirty shot over the shoulder, seeing the POV of the female. Mm-hmm. Well, the female had never had the cameraman do that shot before. And oh, I could wow. never get any fucking distribution because they would just automatically, like with the the, the female to male strap on, say, that's fucking gay, right? Because yeah. it was all Italian mafia that was doing distribution back then. Um, that's who handled distribution. And they wanted nothing to do with, you know, uh, a woman putting a dildo in a guy's ass. They just thought it was fucking gay. So, you know, I had to do my own distribution, which at that time for a woman to be producing and directing was pretty much unheard of. There was one woman with VCA that was doing it. There was um, Canadita Royale. I mean, there really was like on one hand, the amount of women that were, um, there were some that were, there was even, it was just so few that were even directing, but then to direct and produce and then to do distribution, it was, you know, I mean, there were some dungeons that kind of put some stuff out. Um, but it but wasn't it, the market for it like it is now, at least the variety. No, that we have. It's not, not even a little bit. I mean, it was reverse. 
flip it. Mm-hmm. Reverse it. Yeah. Missy, I'll do it. <laughs> Reverse flip it. I, 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 exactly, I, yeah. I could use some Missy these days. I'm not going to lie. Those were some yeah, sick beats. She was Definitely. But yes, it was the exact opposite. So I put that out, um, I think in 1995 on VHS. It was the first, uh, it was the Britney's Bitch Boys, you know, and I still (laughs) do that series to this day on all the different platforms, you know, it's lasted 30, you know, 25 years or whatever. So, and it's amazing, you know, seeing how much um, it's grown, uh, since I first started doing it. Well, knowing what you know and having lived what you've lived, do you have a a forecast or a gauge for what's coming in kink and in our depictions of say fetish or, or othered kinds of sex? Um, I think that my, my, when I deal with trends for myself and where I'm looking at it, I don't have a tendency to look at it from the spectrum of sexuality quite often, Mm. but business instead. So, um, you know, I'm really involved in cryptocurrencies. I've done like over, uh, uh, over a hundred NFTs. Like I feel that that is the future of adult is everything is going to be, um, on blockchain. So I'm very involved with that. As far as it goes with sexuality, my girlfriend, who's, you know, my, my biggest mentor, um, who I look up to that I, I bow down to the queen of all dominatrixes, uh, which is Tara, Indiana. She owned um, a franchise of dungeons uh, in Hollywood, New York, Phoenix, only woman I know to ever own a, a franchise of dungeons. And she's probably one of the few women that would like to uh, maybe take my claim to title of, you know, a pioneer of pegging. Cause I think she was doing some pegging back then too. Um, but on a different, in a different way, uh, like I said, like through the dungeon kind of spectrum, yeah. but, um, you know, and she didn't have a small fucking dungeon in New York. She had a 7,000 square foot dungeon in Manhattan. Like bitch, I paid, um, like $4,000 a month for my 700 square feet. She had 7,000 square Holy feet. shit. And so every dominatrix pretty much in the United States that exists today um, has been influenced by Tara, Indiana, because every dominatrix pretty much has worked either at the Den of Iniquity in New York or L.A. or whoever trained them did. And so she's somebody that's very good at this, of understanding, looking at society and culture and what is going on and then re-explaining it to help understand why the certain trends that are happening right now exist. Fascinating. Uh, Yeah, it really is. Yeah. If you ever, you know, if you're ever going to like, you know, interview somebody, she's an amazing person to interview because she's been doing this longer than I have since the eighties. And, uh, she just, like I said, I, I bow down because <laughs> she is the grand dom of all doms. And, uh, she's just such an information, uh, wealth of information whenever I need help. Um, I've brought her in to teach my own employees. I've brought her in to teach, you know, other organizations and things about, um, BDSM because to me, she really is the ultimate teacher. Yeah. Uh, Brittany of all the of all the hats and titles that you've had, I mean, we're talking a huge, vast spectrum that we haven't even touched on yet. I mean, independent <laughs> films, uh, um, After Porn Ends 3, a film that you directed that was huge on Netflix. I mean, there's so much to your career. Is there one title, position, or experience that kind of makes you the most proud or one that you feel best suits what your calling is? Um, I don't know if it best suits my calling, but probably the one thing that I kind of hold dear to my, well, actually now there's two, (laughs) um, the thing that I, I held dear to my heart, um, was the opportunity to be in Playboy magazine as like one of the top 10, uh, porn stars of all time when they did that, um, when they did that uh, publication, because mm-hmm. it literally was the only one that they, that Playboy ever did where they had porn stars in it. And it was a really big deal um, within the adult world 
to uh, there were so many negotiations that were going on in order to get into that. And what made me feel really special about it was I was the only one that wasn't a contracted model. Everybody else was with Wicked, VCA. And at one point I was drunk. I wanted fucking Taco Bell. And the whole thing had started like with 15 models down to 12 models. And it just, it was going on forever. And I had to stay perfectly tanned and perfectly blonde and skinny. And, and I was like, bitch, want to go to Taco Bell? <laughs> I called them up like 11 o'clock at night. And I said, you know what? I'm never going to make it in this, um, layout because I'm the only one that doesn't have representation. And I know all kinds of backhanded deals are going in. You know, if they take Jenna, then they got to take somebody, you know, if they want Jenna, they got to take this other person, like all these, you know, of course, politics was going on. Right. And I was like, you know, I'm the only bitch that's on my own. That's independent. I'm not going to get in this thing. I'm going to get cut. I'm like, I'm going to Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And, uh, and she was like, Oh honey, you know, I understand it's, uh, it's been a long process and it's difficult. And she was like, I just want you to know that we're really looking for women that have personality. And I was like, personality i got lots of that all right i'm not gonna go to taco bell you know and god bless because inevitably that ended up being why they kept me was because i you know as you said i do have a, a little bit of a character a little bit of personality a little bit of funny a, bit, a, tiny, a little a ounce bit, of it just a little bit and my my um interview was the one that started all of them off. It was on like the beginning and it was the longest one. And it was about femdom stuff before the word oh, yeah, femdom yeah. ever existed. And so many men still to this day come up to me and say that was the article that changed their life, right? That that was the first time that what they were into, they had ever read about. And it was, um, and it was cool, you know, I was uh, doing like a face sitting and they had me in a dominatrix kind of setting and everything. Mm -hmm. So, and then um, the second thing would be just winning this last, um, this last January dominatrix of the year, uh, fan favorite. Um, and, you know, so yes, it means a bunch of fans voted for, for me to be dominatrix of the year, but for me, I've taken it on as a different meaning of like, it gave me an opportunity to put the press release out of looking at my entire 25 years and what I've done within the femdom space and, you know, being a trendsetter and being a pioneer of different things. And it, it just was a really beautiful opportunity for myself to have an opportunity to look back at everything I've done and honor everything that I've done in this space, um, as a, as a, a female dominant woman, uh, expressing myself as is within this business. And that was just like a really nice honor for myself to have that opportunity to kind of have a little bit of a pat on the back for everything that I've done. Um, because you know, looking back, I've kind of done a lot and it's <laughs> hard to stop better. and recognize some of yeah. these moments when you're a workaholic. Yeah, nobody else going. ever like gives you any recognition or credit for everything that you've done. You know, I yeah. even, and bless her little soul, we've come to terms with it, with, with this situation. And I understood where she was coming from. I completely got it. But some girl came up on my thread, on my, on my, uh, my award-winning thread from AVN and said, she's not even a dom. And I'm like, bitch, oh, hell no, you do not call somebody not a dominatrix on their winning dominatrix of the year thread on twitter Damn. so i was like bitch i gotta call you out on this right but i'm your history yeah exactly boo <laughs> you know and i get where she was coming from you know she was upset because she really wanted somebody that was only a dominatrix to have an mm. opportunity because um, that was their only opportunity to get an award, obviously, you know, I do other stuff. And so she felt it was kind of taking it away from the community of doms that somebody that also does other stuff, um, you know, was the one that was the winner. And, and I get where she was coming from, but like, bitch, don't take away my, 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 uh, shiznit. And, you know, she, I, she I don't think it, I don't think it, di it di does not, it doesn't dilute the worthiness of the, the, Absolutely the title not. and the, Absolutely it doesn't, not. just because no. other, uh, occupations were happening. It doesn't, it doesn't dilute it. I mean, we're no, talking about a legacy here and that's, yeah. You. 
Yeah. And so, um, you know, she apologized and she didn't have to, I was like, you know, I was like, I got to call you out girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to call out a Dom an award-winning Dom is a move. So I'm like on my thread of winning. Like that's like, like, you can't let that one go. (laughs) No, it's almost like, uh, yeah, that that's, that's, you're kind of, you're looking to poke a beast at that point, right? You Amen. want to have it it's out with lucky that, that I'm, a, I'm, I'm a mommy dom and I'm a right. very spiritual, empathetic, loving woman. I have no problem with confrontation and I can definitely go there. Um, but I'm a grown ass woman and mm. uh, I don't need to go there. Um, I can go to someplace else that's um, a much kinder, nicer human being. Is there, is there anything about sex that's still a mystery to you today? Well, so I am really excited. So, you know, I went to XBiz this year and I found out that Kink had done a 1031 of their property from San Francisco, which they had this huge castle armory that was locked long in San Francisco. And they bought this $25 million um, real estate mansion here in Island actually here in Vegas, that's less than 20 minutes away from my house. And I'm like, bitch, there is no way you're going to be in my backyard. And I ain't going to have an opportunity to get my foot up in that shiznit. Right. So I made them a parent of who the fuck Brittany Andrews was. And I was right around the corner and I just won dominatrix of the year. (laughs) And so we uh, started the conversations and I'm going to be doing my first three uh, test shoots with them. Uh, April 14th through the 16th. And, you know, as we were going through like the business negotiations, I asked the one guy, I said, well, you know, what has been like the feedback on everything? And they said, oh, well, you know, everybody loves you, but they're a little bit worried that you're not BDSM enough. And I said, that's totally valid. I completely get it because I've never been a like a corporal punishment type of dominatrix. I've always been more on the fetish side. And like I said, I'm now more of like a mommy dom. but don't get it wrong, honey. I am a sick and twisted, dark motherfucker. And I would love to have the opportunity to go there. It's just in my life. I really haven't had any kind of, you know, pushing me in one direction to go in that direction. So I have known Damon Pierce for 25 years. We used to be best friends. He uh, used to be my roadie on the road. This was before he was Damon Pierce. And he helped me build my first dungeon. And, um, you know, life was lifey. We separated ways at one point. He went one way. I went another. And then we started our friendship again. I don't know, maybe when I moved to Vegas. Um, And he had left New Jersey. He was working for insects. And, you know, we were both on the East Coast at the same time, but our lives were not like that at all. But then I moved to Vegas, he moved to LA and we started our friendship again. And, you know, he mostly, well, he only does, you know, he's got his own slave to bondage. And he is one of the most um, kinky people that I know and creative and you know, jack of all trades. He can do construction. He can do electric. He, you know, he works on special effects in mainstream films. He's part of like three different unions. He did um, the whole pink uh, aerial thing at the Staples Center, that whole aerial setup. Yes. So he's part of Hollywood's Riggers Union. So, you know, he did HBO's Westworld. Um, He did um, Kylie Jenner for Adidas. Um, So he's um, very um, talented. And we haven't had an opportunity to work together in so long. And he fully supports me um, exploring my my kinks. And so, you know, I've hired him as my rigger for everything with kink. And we're bringing him in from L.A. Um, And also just to like brainstorm with me on the ideas and where we're going to take it. So I'm really excited to um, be able to work with him and to go into a a more extreme, darker side of fetish and kink that I've never had the opportunity to do before. So, you know, he's been sending me shit with like, you know, catheters and a motherfucker's dick with like their arms wrapped up and like black, um, like, and then, you know, wire things opening up their eyes with like black contacts, putting them on blindfolding their eyeballs. I'm like, I am so here for this. Like it is so <laughs> fucked up and wrong and I love it. So I, you know, I even said like, I don't even give a fuck if I make any money on this. I am here for the experience. 
So um, you stay yeah. curious, don't you? You just you stay curious I about do. it. You know what? And there's that book. Um, it was part of like Oprah's. What is it? it? And it's about curiosity. And I read that book and I and I love that concept of consistently always staying curious in life. Mm-hmm. And and I love to learn, you know, and that I think is the number one thing that, you know, really allowed me to ha- have longevity is just not ever stopping loving to continue to keep learning new things. You know, I want to, and also not being afraid to change at a drop of a, of a hat, you know, because this business is so dynamic and we're always getting pushed this way, that way, by laws, by society, by platforms. It's like, we constantly are having our house burned down and we have to, you know, just grab what's left and then start all over and rebuild again. And, you know, and, at, and we've always been the leaders of technology. And if you're somebody that's going to sit there and complain about, oh, well, Pornhub did this and I'm not going to do that. And, you know, it's like you got to like surrender to to the universe and what is and, and be in acceptance and, you know, fight, you know, figure out which battles are there that you really want to fight, you know, because many of them, if you sit on that battlefield, you're going to lose, <laughs> you know, and um, I'm not trying to fight every battle, you know, I'm like, let me just pick up my shit and move and like, let's just keep going. And um, I've found that to be a, a really important aspect of not getting left behind because as somebody that's been in this business over 30 years, honey, there are so many people that are on that road of dust, right? And I am not. So, and, and why? Because I'm okay. This is what's next. Let's do it. Let's move. Let's change, you know? And so many people are afraid of change. And I learned from Luis L. Hay, uh, one of my favorite spiritual mem- uh, mentors. I know. Is, yes. Is your, um, your throat chakra, uh, is your chakra for speaking. So quite often, whenever I do any kind of affirmations, I always hold my throat chakra and I say the affirmation. And the one that I learned from her many, many, many eons ago is I am willing to change. I am willing to change. And I say that over and over until it just became a part of who I am. I am willing to change at any moment if that's what is necessary, if it's good or bad, you know, because uh, the universe doesn't always um, live by my rules. Sometimes it's what I think is bad. Uh, but I've Look also learned, yeah, I've also well, learned over the years that obstacles are detours in the right direction, honey. Also, a, 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 a legend dom like yourself should have this understanding and comfort with surrender the way you're just talking about it. That <laughs> I love is it. That's beautiful. So beautiful. That's beautiful, right? Like it, it, I never that's thought the about that. That's so, you know what? I love that. Yeah. You're talking about serious somebody. surrender. I know, I know. I, it gave, yeah. We're talking serious surrender. So let's, yeah. let's, let's end on advocacy. Uh, for a lot of the listeners, we have a great blend of listeners on this show. A lot of them are up and coming uh, uh, adult content creators, cam people, but we also have a huge listener group of just the civilians with their own curiosities uh, in and around sex work. If there was one message, one testament that you want them to understand about this business and about the years that you've lived it, what would that be? Is that there's a lot of human beings, especially at this point in time after the pandemic, that have chosen sex work to be their choice of work. And this is how people are surviving, living, paying their bills. And as a sex worker, we deserve basic human rights, just like the next person uh, gets. Uh, And so we do believe that it's important to understand the difference between legalization, decriminalization, the Nordic model uh, as a sex worker that is uh, for sex worker advocacy, which means I want my fellow um, men, women, they, them to all be able to um, be able to do what they're going to do and to be able to do it safely and with resources so that they can get the proper uh, mental health, physical health, um, 
that they can get mental health resources, whether it's like drug and alcohol or different, you know, for bipolar. Um, there's so many people that choose to do sex work that have um, disabilities, uh, whether it be physical disabilities or mental health disabilities. It is a profession, not all of us are victims. I'm sorry to uh, burst a, a few people's bubbles, but a lot of us choose to live this life and we're really happy with it. We're not hurting anybody and we deserve the same basic human needs that everybody else out there um, gets. I've paid over a million dollars in taxes. And the first thing that was on the government um, uh, checks that were coming in during the pandemic said, if you were a sex worker, you weren't allowed any, any money. So they're willing to take my money, but the one time that I needed help, uh, they weren't willing to give it back. And that just the discrimination that happens on sex workers is undeniably unfair um, and not just and not right. And it needs to stop. Well said. Well said, Brittany. Thank you for today, for all of the stories for the, the body shivers and chills. I feel like you should be invoicing me. <laughs> I love it. For those viewers that don't know, we went to film school together. We did. That's we went so... to film school together. I remember <laughs> New York Film Academy and there was this hush and whisper. I was in the producing course. You were in, was it directing or screenwriting? Uh, I was in the directing course at that time, but then I ended up doing two years of producing. Right. I was in producing when you were in directing because we weren't in the same classrooms, right. but I remember yeah. we were in the same facility and everybody in my producer's program one day was like passing this note along. It was really just <laughs> us gathering in the, co the common areas and they said, do you know who goes here? And of course it was a long list of celebrities, but the first name that always came up was Brittany Andrews goes to school here. Do you guys know that? We might see her <laughs> and we did see you and you had that great bob cut. I did, really I did, I didn't give a fuck about my looks at that point. I was like no, all you about getting the job done. I was like, yeah, you do. I'm in New York. you know what I said? I said, I left LA, I left the Mercedes, the Jimmy <laughs> Choo and the champagne. And I switched those bitches for a pair of uh, chucks, a taxi cab and coffee motherfucker. <laughs> you did, but there was a, there was an absolute glamour to it all. I must say you working through, it was how blonde, how blonde you, you travel with your own spotlight. All right. That's, That's so what it felt funny. like. Brittany, for, for people that want to get connected and find out uh, every up to the minute fact about your life, how do they uh, find you online today? All my links slash DJ Britstar. That's easy. Yep. Wow, that's I easy. I got everything right there. You know, sign up for my newsletter. That's the best way. Cause every week I send out a newsletter that gives you all of my up-to-date on the content that I am releasing on all the different platforms every week. And if I'm traveling, so the newsletter is really the best way to have direct contact with me, because then if there is a question about it from my newsletter, you can email me directly. Perfect. I can't wait to do more. I can't wait. I'm going to right, see dude. you again as well. <laughs> right, dude. Um, but but we'll we'll just have to wait for that moment to happen, right? It's all coming back. You know Thank what? you for your I, time. I have a feeling being we did do film school together, we're going to have a long ass story. At one time, we're going to be like 20 years later, like, girl. I but know. girl, don't you want to go to that reunion? Why haven't we had one yet, bitch? I want to show up in like the know, full right? latex. Why exactly. haven't we done it? The two of us together with a, with a microphone and a camera, honey, just doing Thank it. Thank you. Okay, we're doing it. Brittany you Andrews. You got to go to the New York Film Academy and let them know what they need to do. Like, bitch, <laughs> let you know what you need to do. We're doing it. <laughs> I feel like you're going to get anything done that you feel like getting done, Brittany Andrews. Thank you so much for today. And uh, everyone. Watching and listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Licked and Loaded, a Cam 4 podcast. I'm Laura Desiree. We will see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>